I think that a lot of people do know some Aboriginal people that just don't realise it. You look at my mum, she's English, you look at my dad, he's Aboriginal, and look at me, I'm a bit in between. <laughs> I haven't got the flat nose anymore, I sometimes wish I did. You know, just because I'm Aboriginal doesn't mean I have a flag tattooed to my forehead. Like, most of them call me Aunty Lynn, and I'm happy to be their auntie, even though that I'm not. Because I am Aboriginal because of my DNA, not because of my lingo. I am Aboriginal because of my DNA, not because of my lingo. Meet the Mob, a podcast from 1233 ABC Newcastle with Jill Emerson. Subscribe at abc.net.au slash Newcastle. Recently on Meet the Mob, we met Darren Slocky, who had a fabulous story to tell about turning his life around. And in that story, he mentioned his mum, Lynn Slocky. So I've tracked her down mm. for Meet the Mob. Nice to meet you, Lynn. Nice to meet you, darling. Did you hear the interview with your son? Yes, I was impressed. It can be nerve-wracking hearing your kids on the radio or the telly. Were you nervous at all? Uh, No, I was more fascinated and the story that he told, he told the truth. He was a bit worried about telling the truth because some of his story he was a bit, not ashamed, but a bit um, sorry in a way that he'd had some opportunities in his life and uh, he kind of drank them away. But he's come good now. Do you think it was brave of him to tell his story the way he did? Yes. Since he's left all that bad stuff behind, he's more confident. Uh, Before he was shy. And I don't blame the drink for him to have a a crutch, but he was always a shy little boy. But when he got full of fire water, he was so confident. You call it fire water, do you? Why? I could call it beer and all that other stuff, but firewater, I think it sort of makes you want to rage and give you confidence. It sounds now like your son doesn't need to draw on firewater for confidence anymore. He's found it in himself. That must feel good as a mother. Yeah, it's lovely. I've been praying for 30 years for John, Jason and Darren to give up drinking and drugs Um, The Lord answers my prayer with Johnny and Darren, but I'm still praying for Jason. I hope those prayers are answered for you, Lynn. I hope so. Then I'll need intervention for bingo. (laughs) That's your little area of need, is it? Yes, that's my area of need. How often do you play the bingo? 24-7 if I could. Why? I love bingo and it's nice to get out and meet different people. If you win all the time, they want to shoot you. But if you lose, they feel sorry for you. (laughs) How often do you win or lose? Uh, I could have had 10 houses with all the money that I've lost on bingo. But that's my bad story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Where do you play bingo? In Raymond Terrace. Thursday and Saturday nights at the Sacred Heart. And around here a couple of days a week. So there's no shortage of opportunities to play bingo? No way. I'll always find a a way to get from A to B. When I make my doctor's appointment, they'll say, Lynn, do you want to come in at 11 o'clock? I said, forget it. Bingo starts at 11. This really is your addiction, isn't it? I know. Someone needs to intervene. You're still managing to laugh about it? Yes, yes, I do. But I have to save my money up to go bingo on that so the kids say it's not bad but I said it can get you in like 
You know, it's like alcohol and drugs. Bingo is just as addictive. You said you could have bought 10 houses. Have you really blown a lot of money on the bingo? Um, that's just my little joke, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> but is it easy to waste a bit of money on it? Yeah, it is easy, yeah. In every form of gambling, you waste money, so it doesn't matter if it's race, horse racing and keno and all that stuff. Still the same. It's all addiction and that, so... Are there a lot of people at Bingo? A lot of old people, and now they're starting to get all the young ones in. I'll pick you up one day and we'll both go to Bingo. What are your lucky numbers? 88 shut the gate. 66 pick up sticks. Yeah, and um, legs 11. <laughs> number one, Kelly's Eye. Kelly's Eye, what's that? Renette Kelly's Eye, number he had. I don't know whether he had one eye, but... That's the, they call that. And then there's another one, um, 66 clickety-click. The rhymes of bingo, because there's no real reason to it, is there? No way. <laughs> you go there to win or else. If you win too many times, they want to take you out with the Winchester 73. Lynn Sloppy <laughs> on Meet the Mob on 12.33 ABC Newcastle. You're very funny. Have you always been a funny woman? You wouldn't believe this, but I was shy. No one believes it today. I've just come out of my shell and... I had a sense you were funny because the voice message on your mobile phone is gone out with the Broncos. Yeah, they're my favourite team in Queensland in the state of Oranges. So you follow the league, do you? Yeah, I love it. They won't let me play because I'm too fast. Is that it? Yeah, 72 and too fast. <laughs> what else do you do with your spare time, Lynn? I do some Aboriginal painting. And I'm forever cleaning up the house. I've got an addiction. It's bad. Cleaning the house? Mm. Oh, you'll have to come around to my place. I call it ACDC, but they call it another name. Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, OCD. Yeah, yeah well, I call it ACDC. Your son, Darren Slocky, told me that when you married, when you were a young girl, you married Lionel Slocky and uh, moved from up north in Queensland down to Tea Gardens, the first Aboriginal family there. Um, he was pretty happy. How, yeah, how was that for you? That was, uh, it wasn't scary at all because New Adventure, Lionel came from Tweed Heads with the um, mineral deposits and... When I first came down, I cried till the cows came home and then I realised I had to settle here. It was a nice place for the boys and the family and everyone accepted us. But we, the way we were brought up, you had to earn your respect. You can't expect other people to like you if you're at the pub fighting, crashing all, or breaking all the chairs and all that stuff. They just... I was, we brought the boys down here and they had a good start in life. But they go back to go and see their relatives all the time, up at Tweed Heads. But it's nice, this is their home, this is where they were brought up down here. You were born in Rockhampton. What do you know of your Aboriginal history? After I was born in the, the Rockhampton Hospital, Mum and Dad took me back to the Warrabinda Mission. You know how most Aboriginal families move around? like walkabout. We went down to Tweed Heads, over to Chillingham, that's up near Mawollomba, and then we went back and settled in Churchill. That's in between Amberley Air Base and Ipswich in Queensland, yes. And every time I go back now up to Ipswich, Churchill, I cry like a little baby 
because mum and dad's spirit's still there, where we used to live on the hill there in Churchill. You can still feel it? Yeah, I'm old as the hills, but I can still feel all my family, my dead family back there, brothers and sisters, and you mightn't believe that, but I cry every time. Was there much Aboriginal culture in your in your upbringing? Uh, mum was one of the stolen generation, but she never told us about it. The family told us later on down the line. She's very quiet about everything, and we were like urban Aboriginals. We lived and we went to school in, at the Churchill School, and I never came across any racism. Maybe if you behave yourself, people respect you. You have to earn everyone's respect. What did you think when you learnt that your mum had been taken away from her parents? She, sad when they told me about it. And when I went back up to where it wore a binder, I cried. They're like a spirit seemed to be around me and I cried like a little baby. And then I seemed to get all that off my shoulder. And I know mum and dad, they're at peace and granny and grandfather. My grandfather was the fastest runner in Queensland. He, he practised for a week, worked on the farm, and the boss said, You've got, you have to go into Charters Towers and raced again Arthur Postle. He was the best runner from England. Well, he's the fastest anyway. And grandfather, Arthur Postle, had his spike boots on. Grandfather had bare feet. And when the gun went off, they couldn't see grandfather for dust. He beat the best runner. I think he got about five pound or 10 pound. After that, he went back to go and work on the farm. What was your grandfather's name? Robert Anderson. Roughly when would this have been? 26, 28, something to that effect. So you've got good running genes in the family, Lynn. That's, yeah, so thanks to grandfather. So that's how come I ran after Lionel and I was really fast, I could catch him. <laughs> Your husband? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have a ghost of a chance because I was too fast to run, so I took after grandfather. And Churchill, we lived in an old shack, dirt floor, but mum was always lovely and clean and she taught all of us, you might have your old rags and bags, but make sure they're nice and clean. Never came home to a drunken mother. Or a dirty house? No, she was a lady. Only one boyfriend she had in her life, that was Dad. So I was really proud of my mum. Dad was a hard worker. He worked on the railway lines. He was a fettler out by Desert Way. We had nothing, but we had everything. Always came home to feed. And why do people blame their bad upbringing on the path that they take, the wrong path? Is that looking for sympathy? Can be sometimes, can't it? Mm. So it sounds like things were pretty good for you as a young person, Lynn. Yeah, I had a real good upbringing, mum and dad. Then we came, went down to live at Tweed Heads. That's where I saw Lionel over the fence. I had other boyfriends, but Lionel seemed to, every time I'd see him, my heart would beat fast. (laughs) That's a bit of a sign then, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good sign, don't you think? (laughs) Lynn Slocky, who married Lionel... Uh, back in, what was it, the late 50s, early 60s? No, 1962. Married 
settled in Hawks Nest, raised a family, and now you're working uh, here at the Hunter River High School. As an Aboriginal mentor. As a what? Aboriginal mentor. Do you like doing this? I love it. I love all the children. I work two days a week. Some days, mornings I get up, I think, I don't want to go to school today. And my niece from Queensland says, wag school. Don't go to school. Wagging school at 72. Yeah, that's right. And But once I come to school, everyone says, hello, Arnie Lynn. How are you? And they give you a hug. Sorry, is that a didgeridoo ring on your phone? Yeah, I'll just have to click it off. Yeah, it is a did- nice didgeridoo, and that was Darren on the didgeridoo. Your son yeah, playing Darren. the didgeridoo, and now it's your the ringtone on your phone. Yeah, when I'm on the bus and it goes off, they look around. They think so, I'm playing the didgeridoo. I said, it's not me, it's my phone. Lynn Slocky, it's delightful to meet you for Meet the Mob on 12.33 ABC Newcastle. Lynn, that's the didgeridoo, but your son told me that the frog has a very strong role in your life as well from a yeah. traditional perspective. Tell me about that. That's the uh, our, um, totem, the frog. And when Darren was going through the bad patch, he was sleeping and the frog jumped on his face. He never thought anything about it. Then he came over to my place and another frog jumped on his face. He said, Mum, look here, and he had the frog in his hand. I said, my, your grandfather's telling you you've got to stop or die. He's giving you a warning. Darren didn't take any notice, went away. He said, Mum, the other day I was ringing for something, ringing for drugs and I had my phone on my, the palm of my hand and someone came and knocked it off. It fell on the grass, smashed to smithereens. You'd understand if it had fallen on the cement, it smashed on the grass. I said, there's grandfather and your father telling you to stop. Did you really mean that? Yep, I told him, I, you can ask him, I told him all the time. That's the, the higher power telling you you've got to stop or pass away. It seems that Darren eventually paid attention to those frogs. Yep, and I sort of prayed forever and a day for him to turn the corner, same with the other sons too. But Darren, I talk about Jason, I wish Jason would stop. He said, Mum, Jason's got to put his hand up. But the frogs, you come to my place, this house is full of frogs. Even in the toilet, you can't go anywhere, they're in the house. Real frogs? Yep. Everywhere? In in my house. And they don't even pay rent. Lynn Slocky. <laughs> Sounds like that's something I'll have to do. Come and see the frogs and plum- yeah, yeah. come and play bingo with you one day. Yeah, come and play come and play bingo with me. But you'll lose your job, you'll be addicted to bingo. Okay, I'll pass on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for spending some time with me for Meet the Mob. Thank you, darling. Nice to talk to you. You've been listening to a 1233 ABC Newcastle podcast. For more, visit our website at abc.net.au slash newcastle.